Good morning. How is everybody again? Okay, we're going to try to get, how is everybody? There it is. I love it. I love it. All right, high five two people and, high, and fist bump two more people. Come on, we're going to get excited in here. Get somebody new. I see fist bumps. We got to get, I heard, okay, we gave away two high fives and two fist bumps. This is good. So look at the person next to you and say, I have prayed all week to sit next to you. If you're married, this better be right, all right? All right, now awkwardly look to the person that you chose second and tell them that God has exponential plans for their life. There it is. Awesome, awesome. Now we got that out of the way. We've already started by giving. We've already started by having a laugh. So here's the thing. We're going to dive right in today, and we're going to continue our series called Exponential. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little fired up, if you didn't know. I might be a little excited. I could have had a Red Bull before I came out here. I don't know. I'm trying to drink some water to get tamed down. So uh, I've been excited about this series, though. And the thing that gets me so excited is we're called to live an exponential life. So many times in our life, we can get stuck thinking that it's all about addition and subtraction. But we don't serve a God that is an addition and subtraction God. We serve a God that multiplies. We serve a God that's called us to live an exponential life. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Sometimes many of us can be here today and we feel anything but exponential, right? Like, hey, if you have children, you probably feel a little scattered, if I'm completely honest. Like, if I were to say every, every person who has a purse in the room, I'm not judging guys if you have a purse, if you will, whatever that is. I have a backpack. It's very similar. Uh, if you pulled everything out, I wondered how scattered it would be. But I bet you know what's in there, right? So if I said, hey, I need a pen or I need, I need to find my phone, now you may have to call it three times, but I bet you could find it somewhere in a purse or a backpack, right? Am I right or am I just making that up? When I'm carrying my purse around, y'all, good, we got another laugh, that's good. For real, for real, so many times we can feel that our life is scattered and it can feel anything but together if I'm right. Sometimes we don't feel like we're on the same page, Right? Like, have you ever been around those folks that have been married for a while and they're just on the same page? Or have you ever been around folks who were just friends for a while and they're on the same page? Like, they just know, like, they, 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 they G-haul, if you will. They've got it together. And I look at them sometimes and I'm like, I'm so scattered. I don't have a, I need to turn left or right. I don't know. Uh, uh, okay. And, like, they're gone. Like, they've got it together. Sometimes my walk with Christ can feel like that. And when it feels like that, I feel anything but exponential. I feel, I feel stuck. I feel scattered. And so today what we shared out is, it made me think about this dandelion. Does anybody remember blowing in dandelions growing up? Like how fun was that? It's allergy season. We've all been sneezing. Like, does anybody remember that? Like you remember how exciting that was as a kid? And then your grandparents came along and was like, no, don't do that. Like, you know what it was? Because it spread weeds, right? Like that's all that was was weeds in the yard. But we were just so excited, like, Like, you know, it was just one of them things we blew all over the place, and there were dandelions everywhere. Here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes our life can feel like that, but I want to tell you that God's doing something exponential in you with it, and we're going to learn that today through Acts chapter 8. So if you've got your Bible, let's get in Acts chapter 8. Let's get in here, and let's just dive in and see what Jesus has for us today, because I believe he's going to help a lot of us that feel scattered not feel scattered. And if not, you're going to get an awkward look from the second person that you didn't tell that you prayed to be sitting beside today. So you just deal with that whenever that happens. Acts 
chapter 8. And we're just going to jump straight in. This first verse gets me. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. Y'all have a good day. What? Like, what? Have you ever had that in your life? Someone has approved killing you? Like, how does that make you feel? And Saul approved their killing him. So i got to give you some context on who him is, because it can be really weird if maybe you've never heard of this story or you don't know what's going on in Acts. Well, the guy who wrote Acts is, is, is the guy named Luke in the Gospels. You can see that. He's a doctor. Uh, I don't know if he was, if he's on, is, is Grey's Anatomy still? I don't know these things. Somebody tell me. I don't watch these shows, so maybe it's still on. So maybe he was a doctor on there. Maybe that was Luke. I don't know who that is, but maybe he was a doctor that had that, but he's really into these things, and he's talking about this guy named Stephen. We're going we're gonna to talk to him, uh, talk about him in a little bit, but this guy named Stephen is who we call the first Christian martyr. He was killed because he was a Christian, and this guy named Saul approved killing him. So like Stephen is professing Jesus, he's trying to grow the church, he's standing there like if you knew Stephen, he did all the right things. Like Stephen served widows, he led the senior citizen Sunday school class, if you will. Like he did that, like he served widows at the table. So you know what kind of patience it takes for that kind of class? Like Tuesday trips to the Biltmore, like you know what I'm saying? Like, one person likes Waffle House, but everybody else likes IHOP, so the whole time you eat in there, you're going to hear about the Waffle House, right? Like, Stephen was a man of patience. He was a guy that, that probably had it together. He was anything but scattered. And he's standing in this moment, and he gets stoned. And the church is scared. This guy named Saul has approved of everyone killing him. And we're going to talk about Stephen in the next verse, but I just wanted to start the day off saying, I wonder if you know that there there's an enemy out there that's approved of killing what the exponential life that God has called you to live. I wonder if you had that perspective, how you would live today differently, how you would take every moment differently. If you knew that there was something out there that approved killing you, wouldn't it change? Like, wouldn't you want to know where he was? Like, if I know the murderer or the thief is coming, like, I want to know where he is. I want to know his plans. Like, is he bringing a knife so I can bring a gun? Is he bringing a gun so I can bring something else? Is it like Home Alone where I got to set up some traps? Like, what is this? This guy has approved of killing me, and I want to let you know, the reason that your exponential life may feel a little scattered today is there's something out there prowling that's approved to kill you. And we're going to squelch that today. I'm going to show you where God's going to use that scattered and this thing that's out to get you for your good and his glory. Okay? So let's continue on. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. So one more time, context. That's my fault. I didn't set you up well. I want to set it up well. So the church, last time we visited it, there was a lame man healed, right? And he was praising in the temple gates, and, and he was at this... He was at the beautiful gate, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we saw these two ordinary guys were, were, were speaking in front of these religious leaders, and the church had, had gone from, from literally 120 people at the beginning of Acts to at least 5,000 the last time we were there. And now all of a sudden, inside of Jerusalem, this church of 5,000 people in this packed house has a great persecution. And all except the apostles, so all the people that were with Jesus, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
So I love that we have an, an online eFam, as we call you. You're our extended family. You're, you're, you're here with us, and you're joining us online. But imagine if all of us had to get online from all over the world. It's a cool thing. But there's also just something missing because it's like we're not together, right? Like it's cool because I can see you and you can see me and there's virtual reality, but you can't see if I got my phone over here, you know, like I'm trying to text somebody or I got something going on. That's where the church is. And you know what they're texting? Hey, where's Saul? You seen that boy Saul on the street? He's after me. Like, have you seen it? Saul. Have y'all seen Saul? He's somewhere. And so the church now is scared to go to church. How many of us were scared to come into church today? probably heard I was speaking and you thought I, would, I was going to dance or something. I'd be scared for that too. But for real, how many of us were scared going into church today? <laughs> None of us were scared, right? Imagine that fear, knowing that something's out to kill you, where the people you love gathering with every week scatters you. Makes your perspective be different, right? Makes you cherish the people that you have inside of this room, inside of Thursdays, throughout the week, right? Like, maybe, maybe there's people in your life that you cherish, you don't get to see a lot. Maybe... Maybe, maybe you might be scattered for a purpose, and that's what Jesus is about to use. Godly men buried Stephen. So this guy Stephen we talked about is the first Christian martyr, and they mourned deeply for him, deeply for him. So here's the thing in this time frame. If you were a Jewish man, you could not mourn a person killed a criminal's death. Stephen being stoned died a criminal's death and these people are mourning and it's like an act of protest saying we're scattered all over the place this thing that Jesus has called us to has made us be everywhere but where we want to be we want to be in Jerusalem we want to be in this central place and we're happy we're comfortable where we are and this man you killed all of a sudden we're going to mourn and so in front of these religious leaders they're mourning I wonder if we would stand up and protest for those who are mistreated, for those Christians who are martyred around the world. Would we stand up and say, there's something greater? Or do we say, hey man, I'm good. I got everything taken care of today. I'm good. Because I will tell you, sometimes I feel that way. I got my Sunday handled. I don't know what this person is. This person maybe that's over in India or this person that's in China in the underground church, like they, they don't have it as hard as I do. There's no way they do. They absolutely do. And so many times when I feel I'm scattered, I don't realize that I'm living my exponential. So let's continue on. God, I ain't even got to point one, y'all. We're getting there. I'm sorry. I'm getting excited. We're going to keep going. Verse 3. Verse 3. But Saul. Anytime there's a but in the Bible, you got to know something's up. But Saul. Saul began to destroy the church. Destroy the church. So when the service is over, we're going to destroy this area and pack it back up. But we're not going to destroy the communication, the fellowship, the getting together. That's what the church is all about. Saul is literally out there destroying the church. Imagine this. You showed up early every week. You've given all you can give. You've trusted Jesus as your Savior. You're, he's called you to do things. You've taken next steps of obedience, and you're saying, Jesus, I've given all I can give. What's happening? And there's something that feels like it's destroying you. There's something that feels like it's taking you step by step away, brick by brick. Anybody ever feel that way? Like you're stuck, like you feel like something is just out coming after you. Imagine that's where the Christian church was. Imagine that's where these people were. This guy has approved of, of Stephen being killed, and now he's hunting for me. 
How crazy is that? They go from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Not just men. He took men and women and put them in prison. The story goes on to, to say this. The story goes on to say this. Those who had been scattered, if you've got a Bible, underline that, highlight that, that word. That's going to be what we talk about today. Those that had been scattered stayed at home, hidden caves. No, they preached the word wherever they went. We're going to move on through these stories here today, and, and it's going to collect into a couple of big points. So if you're a note taker, you're probably going to hate me today. That's okay. Jesus is going to teach you something through it because he's taught me so much through it. I wonder if the reason we're missing out on our exponential life is wherever Jesus has thrown us, we don't preach the word wherever we go. And what I mean by that is we don't love those who look like us. We don't love those who don't talk like us or maybe they're from a different background. Maybe, maybe we just need to love them right where they are. Everybody, always. But sometimes we're in this situation and we can't do that. <laughs> We, we look at where we are, we look at our situation, and we think about how much we're missing out, how much we don't get, how much is owed us, and then we get stuck. What if our exponential life was, even though this thing is out to get me, this thing is out to stop me, this thing is out to destroy me, I'm going to preach Jesus wherever I go. I'm going to be Jesus to everybody I encounter. What if that's the exponential life Jesus called us to? Would we still be faithful and obedient to it? Or will we throw up our hands and go hide in the cave? Like, in Jerusalem, the church is there. They're comfortable. They know each other. They know what's going on. It's like, how's your mom and them? Like, they know them. They know everybody. They know everybody's business. They got Facebook messages on the side about each other. Like, they got all that going on. They got little different text messages by different names. You know, when you get that one, it's got a special ringtone. Like, you know, they know everybody. And all of a sudden, they're scattered. And it makes me think, I wonder if that's where we are in the church right now. If Jesus sent us out to the world, which, by the way, he has, will we preach the word wherever we go? Or will we just try to fit in? Will we just try to stay comfortable? Because here's the thing I'll tell you. By doing that, we can't possibly live an exponential life. We've got to love others just like Jesus loves us. But so many times we get stuck. We think, oh, my gosh, i got to do these 17,000 things. But it's got nothing, nothing to do with that. And so we're going to talk about this church in Jerusalem here in a little bit and why this matters, why Jesus scatters them. But at this moment in time, remember the number 5,000. There are 5,000 plus people in the church. And then they get scattered. This guy named Philip goes down to a city in Samaria and proclaims the gospel there. So I don't know, not too long ago we talked about the woman, and, and you might have heard this story, the woman at the well, and, and we heard about the good Samaritans and, and this place called Samaria. Well, let me give you a little bit of history without diving in too much, okay? So Samaria is this place that the Jewish people avoided. Okay, so let me tell you why. Like they had different routes through Samaria, like, if they were going from Jerusalem to Samaria, or Jerusalem to Samaria, they would go, like, all the way. Like, it would be like if they had to go from Spartanburg to Greenville, they went to Columbia and then went up 385 to Greenville. Like, they went around every way they could. Like, imagine, don't get mad if you're in Greer, I'm sorry, but imagine Greer is Samaria, and they go around Greer to go from Spartanburg to Greenville. That's a long way to go around. So Samaria is that way because there was a time when the, the Israelites went into the promised land, and ten tribes went into Samaria. 
okay? They were conquered by Assyria. You can Google all this later or whatever you want to do. But what would happen is the Assyrians would take of those 10 tribes that were the Israelites, and they would mix all the people and all the places they had conquered into Samaria. So they were a mixed race. They were called half-breeds by the Jewish people in Samaria, a mixed race. They weren't clean. They weren't pure. So the Samaritans hated the Jewish people. The Jewish people hated the Samaritans. And so the reason that Samaria is so, so important is Jesus went in there He talks about the good Samaritan. Jesus goes in there. He talks about this woman at the well. Jesus goes straight into Samaria to prove a point that the church was never meant to stay only in Jerusalem. It was always meant to go out to everyone, even the people that say they don't deserve to have it. None of us do. So this place called Samaria, this place called Samaria is so important because Philip now all of a sudden, this Jewish guy's jumped into Samaria And does he not proclaim the Messiah there? He absolutely does. Does he just cower away? Does he talk about how they they don't deserve the word, how how they're not good enough, how their church doesn't look right, how their church doesn't have the right people in it, it doesn't have the right mix, it doesn't have anything. No, 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 no. He just goes and proclaims the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, Impure spirits came out of many. Don't worry, that's not going to happen here today. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. See, that perplexes me, right? Because the two guys that were Jesus, this all started with, with, with one guy at a beautiful gate, right? When we talked in Acts a couple weeks ago, there was a, a lame man at the beautiful gate. And Jesus, Jesus worked through Peter and John and, and through the Holy Spirit. They, they had this man. And last week we talked about him being ordinary men and how it grew to 5,000. One man in Jerusalem, one man that was lame was healed. By Philip going to this mixed place, this place that was off limits, this place that didn't deserve to be gone through, this place that had a bad stigma, this place that didn't deserve to hear the gospel, this place that wasn't pure enough, this place of people who didn't have it together enough to hear Jesus, to hear about Jesus or hear about the word, he goes there. And what blows my mind is because the church was scattered, not just one person who was lame was healed, but what does that say? Somebody help me. What does it say again? Many. Many. What if Jesus is sending you into a place that is hated by everyone else so that many will be healed? Will you trust him for that? Will you trust him to know that he's got an exponential life in store for you? And because of that, it's not just for you, it's for everyone else you encounter. Or will you be mad and gripe about the place you are? Because I'm going to tell you what I do. Sending me here. Oh, my goodness. I got to go this place. I just, I would probably gripe. I would tell you this. The sin in me would say, Jesus, why am I in this place? I don't look like these people. I don't talk like these people. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have it together. And he says, just trust me. That's what Philip did. He walks in and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. I love that next, that next verse that says this. There was great joy in the city. Great joy in the city. So think about these people. They've been left out their whole life. They've been told they weren't good enough. 
They've been told that they didn't deserve the job. They've been told they didn't earn anything they had. And all of a sudden, this person comes in proclaiming the gospel, being Jesus, and preaching it to them. And all of a sudden, there's great joy in the city. You remember where we left the church in Jerusalem? The man who was lame was healed. He was praising God. And because of his praise, 2,000 more people came into the church that day, and there were 5,000 people. Now, all of a sudden, Philip comes in there, one man, and many are healed, and they all in the entire city have great joy. So let me tell you, the whole city, Samaria isn't just one city. Like in this time, it's a collection of places. It's like the greater Samaria area. Up on the north side of the greater Samaria area, we have these places. We have a new south side project, the connector road that the Jewish people won't take. But we have, we have a clogged highway. It's about 30 miles away. Like they have all these cities that are collected together. So what I'm saying is... Philip was in that little cluster, that little scattered cluster, if you will. And all these people, these people find Jesus. All these people hear the hope of the gospel. All these people are healed. And there's great joy in the city. See, I don't see Philip groaning. I don't see Philip being mad that he's been sent out of Jerusalem, out of his comfortable place, out of his place where he's got fire insurance, where he's got it all together, where it's like, hey, I know Jesus, I'm good. Or, hey, they don't know Jesus, they ain't good. Like, I don't see him stuck there. No, he just says, okay, Jesus, wherever you're going to send me, I'm going. And if, even if the church is persecuted here, I'm going to trust that you've sent me to this place for a purpose, with a purpose, on purpose. And all of a sudden, many are healed. What if your exponential life is that, guys? What if where you are right now is your exponential? Will you be excited? Because here's the thing. If you're not excited about it, it's really hard for great joy to come into the city. It's really hard for those around you to be healed. Because here's the thing about the Christian life. When you have Christ, everybody wants what you got. Because they see something different in you. They see hope and the craziest trials. They see people who say, hey, I never deserved any of this. But Christ, because of Christ, I get to do it. But yet so many times us, even today, me, me, I will say, God, there's no way I got to do this today. Prime example. I use it a lot because it's one where Jesus always works on me. The person standing on the street that holds up the sign. Need money. Got 15 kids. <laughs> got all this going on in my life. I just need money. I need this. I need that. And sometimes the spirit will be like, hey, go help that person. And sometimes we'll do. I wish I could tell you I'm 100% on that. <laughs> God, I wish I could stand up here and tell you I have it all together. And if you're expecting that today, ooh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you're in for a big letdown because I don't. But sometimes I do, and you know what that person will do in my face? That's all. That's all you can give me? And sometimes I just want to be like, see, Jesus, like, why in the world would you let that person do that? But he said, hey, 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 I'm just trying to do something more through you, man. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. I wonder if, if we would trust him in every interaction we have in our life. That boss that is so terrible to work for. I wonder if we would just be Jesus to them. That employee that never shows up on time, that never gets their work done, that dumps it all on you, would you trust them? 
trust Jesus has you with them for a purpose. That, that situation, that child that just will not listen, that you've tried to beat the tar out of and it doesn't work, the, that you've tried to discipline, that child that just won't listen, that just keeps going down that wrong road, would you trust that, that friend in your life that you just can't get on the same page with? Like, it seems like every time you're on the same page, it's like, ugh. Like, would you trust that Jesus, Jesus has them for you and with you for a purpose? For your exponential life because I promise you when you will he may send you into this place that you never thought you would go and I promise you that joy will fill them let's continue on the story verse 9 verse 9 loud Jesus I ain't even got there y'all gotta hang in here with me y'all gotta y'all gotta listen hard today and listen fast we gotta make it happen verse 9 verse 9 goes on to say this or excuse me, I'm lying to you. We're going to keep going down. Everybody in the back probably freaked out and said, there he goes again. I'm sorry, guys, and creative. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that to you. We're actually going to continue to verse 26. Verse 9 talks about this guy named Simon the Sorcerer. He's a magician, and uh, he tries to get short story long, and I'm going to try to make it short. Uh, Peter and John, he wants what they have. He wants what they have, and he says, is it magic that you lay hands on people? So it's like they, David Blaine is coming to ask me how to do a magic trick because people are healed, and I can't tell him how to do that. That's kind of where they were stuck. They wanted that, okay? So we're going to skip through that, and we're going to get to verse 26 because I want to pick back up with Philip, okay? So Philip is in Samaria. Many get there. So Philip, here we go. Here we go. When we turn the page, verse 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, specifically the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So all of a sudden, he's been in Samaria. He's on this road from Jerusalem to Gaza. If you're, if you're thinking there, this is probably about 50 miles away. So go on the road south from Spartanburg to Anderson, and you can figure that out or go however you want to. Go on the desert road. Sometimes don't it feel like that. Uh, go on the desert road from, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So a quick time out here, as I've had many today. If you think sexual identity has been a problem for, a long, for just this season with people, a eunuch, look that up sometime. Tell me there's not confusion there. Tell me that a man who's supposed to believe that he, in this moment, isn't good enough, by the way. He just left Samaria where it wasn't good enough. Philip did. He runs into this man who can't procreate. Because he's a eunuch, he can't procreate. So at the time, the only, the only reason for a man to be here was to help procreate. Like, that was their, their whole point in life. Like, for the Jewish people, they wanted to make sure that the Messiah came through their line. Like, they fought really hard for that. So all of a sudden, this Ethiopian eunuch is an important official, and Philip runs into him. Isn't it funny that when we live our exponential life, we'll always run into people that we never expected? We never expected to run into. This eunuch, who's probably been told his whole life, you're worthless, you're an important official, but we're doing this to you, so that way you don't, you don't make the line impure, like you're not going to challenge the crown. But I think about how crazy that had to be for that eunuch and how confusing that had to be, because his chemical makeup... It's completely different now because of what happened to him. So if you ever, if you don't know what a eunuch is, it's probably a Wikipedia page. Look at that. But I just want to tell you the, the things we face in the culture today from the people that we think aren't like us and sexual identity even, it's been going on for a long, long time. So don't think there's anything new. So it goes on to say this. This man had gone to 
Jerusalem to worship. So before we go on, this man, so to go to church, he had to go almost 50 miles to go to church. What is it? He went from Jerusalem to Gaza. He runs into this guy. He's on his way back home. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. So he has to go to church. He has to go to church a long way. And he had been worshiping in Jerusalem. I wonder if there was a church with him, how different that would have been in his life. I wonder how many more people would have shown up if there was a church on every corner, on every street. I wonder if there were like three churches to choose from on every corner. Wouldn't the church just be filled up if people just had a choice of how many churches to go? Oh, Maybe that's where we're stuck in America. We've got so many churches on every corner. None of us enjoy the church that we're part of. We start shopping like we're at Amazon, trying to pick the best prime deal, right? And we think, well, today this church has got it, and tomorrow this church has got it. And it's all about comfort, not about calling and what Jesus has called us to do and be a part of. But our exponential life means being a part of sometimes people who are different than us. Sometimes people who don't, who come from a different phase of life than us, who, who have different stories in life than us. That's what Philip is doing. Like, he's ran into this Sumerian village. He's ran into this Ethiopian eunuch, and what happens here is absolutely crazy. Going on to verse 28, it says this. And on his way home, he was sitting at his chariot, reading, reading the book, the book of Isaiah. Great book. The prophet. The spirit. So important told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. How many of us have those people in our life that maybe the Spirit has told us to go and stay near and we refuse to? That's hard. But Philip, knowing this person didn't look like him, didn't think like him, didn't talk like him even, is trying to figure out what's going on here. He just left church and worshiped, and now all of a sudden this guy comes up. I love what Philip does. He, does it say, like, I think of Mr. Magoo or, like, the Pink Panther? Does it say, like, he just slowly walked up? No, 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 no. When the Spirit called him, he ran to the chariot. He heard the man was reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? This is my favorite part. This man looks at him. It's like, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. What if that circumstance that you think so you're so scattered in that you don't have it together is a circumstance where somebody's just inviting you to come sit with them through their chaos and confusion? They just need somebody to listen. They just need somebody to talk with them through it. They just need somebody to walk with them. Maybe, maybe they've got some crazy things. Maybe they're, they're, they're looking at what seems like this math equation that they can't figure out, and they just need somebody to teach them what it looks like, to tell them how. What if that's what you're called to do in your exponential? Will you trust that? Will you think it's too easy? Will you think it's too hard? Because sometimes I'm on both ends of that spectrum. I can't promise you that I think this is exponential. Me having to explain what the scripture means, what the verses mean, what do you mean? Like he's reading Isaiah the prophet, okay. I don't, I don't read Hebrew, I don't know what's going on. But no, Philip didn't fight that. He just ran straight to it. The passage of scripture the, the eunuch was reading was, he was led like a sheep, to the slaughter as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth so maybe you grew up in church and you know what this is maybe you didn't or maybe you've done some exploration on your own but like if that's the only verse i read today how many of us would really know what he's talking about 
I mean, I would be like, context? Could I hear it in a sentence? Like, could I hear something else that's going on? Like, so there's a lamb here. Like, is this 100% cotton? Like, I would just be looking like, he's led to the shear. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And so Philip, seeing this prime opportunity, explains to this eunuch, hey, this scripture you're reading is actually something we just celebrated a few weeks ago on April 1st here. And he explains it to him. Verse 34 goes on to say this. The eunuch asks Philip, tell me, please, is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And he told him the good news about Jesus. 36 goes on to say this. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And this is what's really important. So if you've got your Bible here, you may not have verse 37. I want to let you know that. Uh, and if you're watching online, you're gonna, you may see verse 37 pop up. I just want to let you know, it's not that we've added anything to the Bible, so don't send me an email or send me a Facebook message. This is actually what's in there. If you'll look in your footnotes, verse 37, so important what Philip does by seizing this opportunity. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch, that's the he, replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Remember what we just celebrated a few weeks ago? This baptism, how cool is that? We're going to keep going, and we're going to finish up the story here. And verse 39 goes on to say, when they came up out of the water, this is some crazy stuff, y'all. Hang in here. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch didn't see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Here's why that's important. You think, okay, the spirit took him up. That's kind of weird. So this guy got baptized, and then it was kind of like one of those machines, you know, where it goes down and grabs the, the teddy bear, and then it drops it, and then it goes up and grabs it, and he, he appears somewhere else. Well, here's the crazy thing. Philip baptizes this eunuch, and he appears 50 miles away. The same day. Now, Usain Bolt, is he's pretty dang fast. That dude can fly. I don't know if he can go 50 miles in a day. And I don't know how donkeys could take them that far or camels. I don't know what the mileage was on that. I don't know if they had like brakes or bearings or, or suspension issues. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know if they have anything like that. Like I don't know how fast they go. I don't know if you rev them up, you give them some more octane. Like if you put a little something in the water, if they just go faster. But it, it's only an act of God that this man shows up 50 miles down the road at the same day. On the same day. And the reason this matters is this. What if your exponential life was just a blip on the radar of someone's exponential story? You dropped in for a second, and you're gone away. Maybe you've got that person in your life. They just showed up for a second, and then they're gone. 
And the whole reason they were in your life was to show you who Jesus is because it didn't make sense to you. The world seemed scattered. The world didn't make sense. The chaos of this world felt like it was never going to be brought into order. And you've tried to bring it into order. And you've done everything you can do to try to get it together. And all of a sudden, this person comes in and tells you about this man named Jesus. Tells you about the life that he lived that, that we couldn't live. The death that we deserve that he died on the cross. And how he rose again to give us an exponential life that we can experience heaven on earth right now all of a sudden this person's in and then they just drop out of your life forever you see sometimes we got to be like philip where we're that person and other times we got to be like the eunuch and understand that maybe jesus only dropped them in for a season and it was time for us to go on rejoicing it was time for us to go out and spread the word it was time for us to go make it happen and so today i i really want to make sure i'm not confusing you i want to make sure that man we covered a lot of ground in scripture we covered a lot of things today. But here's the thing I want to ask you, and here's the thing I want to tell you on how we can live an exponential life. How we can live an exponential life. The first thing we can do is occupy with urgency. Occupy with urgency. You know, I got to hear this, this pastor one time talk about Occupy All Streets. His name's Carl Lentz. He's the pastor at Hillsong, New York. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's, he's a really great speaker. And he has this thing that they do called Occupy All Streets. Yeah, it's cool in New York in the concrete jungle, right? Like there are literally thousands upon thousands of people on every street, right? And so hearing that, Jesus just worked in me and it made me think like, what did Philip do in his life? He always occupied every opportunity God gave him with urgency. I never once saw Philip not running. I never once saw Philip not trusting the Spirit. I never once saw Philip say, womp, womp, nobody cares about me, God. You busted up the church. All my friends are in Jerusalem. I can't do this. I never saw him like that. He occupied everything he did with urgency. Does that mean you got to be like me bouncing off the wall sometimes like Tigger? No, 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 no. It just means I understand that every moment I have, I get to occupy for a purpose. And it's to live the life that God's called me to live, but it's not for myself. It's so that I can share that with the world. And if we want to live an exponential life, we occupy every moment with urgency. When the Spirit tells us to give to that homeless person, we give to them. When the Spirit tells us that person who says how terrible their life is and how they don't have it together, and the Spirit calls us, and you're like, last time they bit my head off, Lord. And he's like, just go into it. Occupying with urgency means you step in there and say, hey, I heard you had a crazy night. What can I do to help? I'm here to listen. You tell me how I can just listen. Occupying with urgency means that when we're called to go somewhere, we go. We don't go just sitting back. We don't think that, man, this is my comfortable. I have to stay there. Jesus died. It says that I can live life to the full, and I'm full. My belt line's expanding. My, my summer body's ready. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm good. I'm comfortable. This is what Jesus called me to do. No, no, no. It's occupying every moment with urgency because here's what I'm going to tell you. One day, all that's going to be left is a picture. That's what Jesus has been reminding me. One day, when it's all said and done, all that's going to be left of me is a picture. And will the people in that picture know that I occupied my space and my time on this earth with urgency, knowing that there are people 
crying in the streets that need to hear the hope of the gospel and need to hear who Jesus is. And they, they may have all the evidence in front of them. They may know the Bible front and back. They may have heard Jesus their entire life. They grew up in church. They showed up at Christmas and Easter, and they know what Jesus looks like. They even know this man. They're just not sure what he means. And I wonder if the people in my life will know that I occupied it with urgency because that's the exponential God's called all of us to do. That's the exponential if we are in Christ Jesus, we have to occupy with urgency. And I know it's easy to do that on Sunday. And Monday, that's when that urgency drops. I'm going to be real with you. Sometimes on Monday, it drops. And definitely on Wednesday. <laughs> definitely on Wednesday. You're at the midweek stride. You're just looking for Friday. And you think Thursday's an afterthought, which is why we have Greenhouse on Thursdays, by the way. You think Thursday's an afterthought. And I wonder if we as the church would rise up and occupy every opportunity with urgency. Not because of what we can do, but because of what the Spirit can do. Literally, this man showed up 50 miles away in one day, and many people were healed. How crazy is that? Who in their right mind wouldn't want to be a part of someone rejoicing with joy at how great God is and who God is? and making sense of the chaos. So if you want to live your exponential life, occupy every moment with urgency. The second thing that I would tell you to do and how we can live that exponential life is occupy wide awake. Occupy with urgency and occupy wide awake. Here's what I mean by that. Be present. Philip ran to this chariot and listened to this man. I will tell you the thing that I struggle with the most sometimes is being present. And so when I'm in the moment, I try to make eye contact so that you know, hey, I'm in this thing. <laughs> I'm in this thing. I'm listening to you. I got this. Like, I'm wide awake. Philip, Philip was in the moment the whole time. He was in the moment with this eunuch. This eunuch who could probably tell him how he didn't deserve this life, how he was mistreated. Probably, I'll be honest with you, this eunuch was probably a slave from a different area and was thrown into service, thrown into service without his family, into this position he probably didn't want. But it allowed him to go to Jerusalem to a house of worship and understand and hear who Jesus was, but not understand who Jesus was. And here's the thing, when you live an exponential life and you occupy, not tired, not sleepy, but wide awake those moments with urgency, oh, the exponential life you can live. Let me tell you what happens with this church. Let me tell you as we talk about being wide awake, here's what happens inside the church from this moment. The church is about 5,000 people. So we're gonna talk about exponential for a minute. Okay. In the year 351 A.D., the church has grown to 350 million people, half of the Roman Empire. At this time, we're looking just a few years after Jesus died. We're looking in the 40s A.D. So in a matter of 300 years, it grew from 120 to 350 million people. Is that exponential? Is that not something that's exponential? But the church in Jerusalem was so comfortable, there was only about 5,000 of them there. And they made everyone come to them. But you see, here's the thing. I remember Jesus saying this thing in Matthew 28 that says, go into all the nations, teaching them what I've taught you, what Philip's living out, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
You see, our exponential life is to live that out 100%. And we can do that by just occupying the moment with urgency and the moment that we have to occupy this space. Would we give folks our full attention? Let me ask you this. Wide awake means I put my phone away. I struggle with that sometimes. Wide awake means I seriously, when I, when I schedule you, I try my dangest to live to it. Wide awake means, hey, I'm really in this moment, and I, I'm not half asleep. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen in 20 minutes. I'm not thinking about what's going to happen when the ice cream machine breaks down if I'm at Jason's Deli getting my free ice cream, right? Like, I'm not thinking about all these things. I'm thinking about you, and I'm just in the moment with you. Our exponential starts with that because it's exactly what Jesus did. As we get ready to wrap up, my question is, how are we living our exponential life? You know, God, God's called us to occupy this city. Occupy Spartanburg. How crazy is that? Sparkle City, the hub, <laughs> the sparkle as we call it, or whatever you want to call it. It's not G Vegas. It's what you call Greenville. He's called us to occupy Spartanburg. The question is, do we do that every single day? And here's the thing I'm telling you. It's not that I have a great plan. It's not that, oh, man, he's got the best, he's got the best way to reach the people. It's that I'm just trusting Jesus has called me to do it. And so today, maybe you're hearing this message and you're saying this Occupy thing is cool. Like, is this like <laughs> Occupy Wall Street back in the day or anything like that? No, 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 no. The only way that I can occupy is if I understand who Jesus is. And so today, maybe, maybe somebody here doesn't know who Jesus is. This whole message, you've heard me talk about these things. And you hear about this eunuch. And you hear about this, this guy who traveled all these places by foot, by camel, or go-kart, whatever it was he traveled in. And, and he went 50 miles away, and, and this church is scattered, and yeah, that's cool. Like, this sounds like a great movie where this guy's out to kill me, and like, he's definitely going to get revenge, right? Like, he's going to be able to do that. Philip's going to go and just change Saul. But hey, Saul, Saul's about to be on a road to Damascus in the next few chapters, and he's about to completely change the growth of the church. So many times for us, we just don't know what the Spirit's calling us to do. And so today, maybe you don't know who Jesus is. I want to tell you, I want to occupy this moment and occupy this space. And I want you to ask you to give me, give me the courtesy to occupy it wide awake. I want you in this moment to understand who Jesus is. Because the reason we do all of this, the reason we occupy Spartanburg, the reason that we're going out to be what we're called to be and do this is to lift the name of Jesus high and share him with the world. You see, here's the crazy part. All of us were scattered at some point. We were like that dandelion that was blown all over the place. But for some reason, Jesus planted us in Spartanburg. And the way that we grow is by having a relationship with him. And so today, maybe, maybe you don't know who Jesus is or you've heard him and you want to make sense of it and you heard this, this lamb to the slaughter and, and all this. This doesn't make sense. Well, I'm just going to make it as clear as I can make it. Each and every one of us have one thing in common. We're all sinners. Because of that sin, we deserve death. All of us. None of us are exempt from that. None of us can pass a test to make that go away. None of us can have all the answers. None of us can memorize this Bible front to back and, and, and have a pass at that. None of us can, can give so much and, 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 and give away cars and jets or whatever that is. None of us can do anything to earn that. None of us. 
None of us could get out of that. We deserve death. And because we deserve death, here's the thing. The very creator of the universe said, I don't want that for you. I want you to experience life. And so he made a way. And this, this thing that is God, this thing that we just celebrated a few weeks ago at Easter, is, is this man named Jesus. And he came and he lived the life. He took the test. He lived the perfect life without sin. I don't know about you, but I, I'll, I'll probably sin this afternoon. It's a hard life to live without sin. It is. But Jesus did it. He lived a life without sin. But he didn't stop there. You see, that sin that, that he took upon himself, he died the death we deserved for sin. He loved us enough. Like, he not only lived the perfect life and had it all together, he died the death we deserve. He died the death we deserve. But you see, it wasn't enough for him to do that. He says, I want you to live a life that has peace and joy and can experience heaven on earth, a life that's exponential. And the way that you do that is you accept me as I am. Like, like Philip tells this eunuch, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and rose again on the third day, you see, Easter a few weeks ago was celebrating him dying and rising again. So some of us here, maybe we've never nailed that down. Maybe, maybe today for the first time, our hearts are awakening. Our hearts are awakening, and we feel this urgency to respond. And I'm going to ask you if that's you. I'm going to help you with that. It's not going to be the words of this prayer that changes things. It's not going to be that you're passing a test. It's literally what Philip tells this eunuch. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? And so with every head bowed and every eye closed here as we get to the end of this thing, I want to open up this opportunity because it would be crazy that, that we would ever not offer the opportunity to respond. So if this is you, and, and we pray as a family together for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ for the first time, if this is you, you're going to repeat this prayer with everyone. And I'm going to ask you to respond after. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, separated from you, deserving death. I believe you lived the life I could not live, but died the death I deserve. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rise, rose again on the third day so that I may live an exponential life. I receive by faith you. Take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the best way I know how for the rest of my life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today for the first time you are praying that prayer with faith that you believe Jesus is who he says he is, I'm going to count to three. And I'm just going to ask you to respond and raise your hand. If that is you, I'm going to ask you to respond if that's you. So this is your day. One, two, three. If for the first time you've prayed that prayer with death, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. There's no one. It's just me that's standing here with you because I want to celebrate with you. Don't let today go by that you don't respond. So if that's you, maybe you're watching online, I want to ask you to respond. We have folks who want to pray with you, celebrate with you. More importantly, we want you 
to be able to live the life that's exponential. And for everyone else that's in the room, we're about to have our last worship song. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for something, but I just want you to think about this and see this right now. You see, maybe Jesus has scattered all of us around, not so that we're together, but to gather together. All of us one day will be gathered back. All of us, all of us, Jesus promises he will return one day. And all of us that believe him and trust him as our Lord and Savior will gather together with him again. In the meantime, we get to occupy this space. In the meantime, we get to occupy this moment to live an exponential life. And so as we all get ready for that and we get ready for this last song of worship, I'm just going to ask you to occupy this space with urgency and wide awake like it's the last time you're going to get to worship Jesus on this earth. Not to scare you, but to know that one day you're going to be gathered together with everyone here in heaven if you love him and trust him as your Lord and Savior. But what if you get to just worship your face off in this moment? Would you do it? So I'm going to pray that we do that, and I'm going to ask you to respond to that. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us more than we ever deserve. Thank you for letting us live an exponential life. Because Jesus, without you, it's not worth living. It's a life that's just addition and subtraction, and it's a life where I feel like someone is out to get me constantly. But Jesus, you've already got me. You've already gathered all of us together. Let us be bold enough to respond like Philip did and boldly go where you have called us to go. But more importantly, as we occupy Spartanburg, as we occupy every moment with urgency and we occupy these times with wide awake where we can see you and point others to you like never before, Jesus, let us never forget that you are our hope. You are our future. And if all we do points others to you and that's all our life is, then Jesus, it's a life well lived. It's a life that's exponential. So in this moment, let us praise you like never before. Maybe we don't feel like we're living an exponential life and we need to talk to someone today. Jesus, give us boldness to do that. Dear Lord, thank you for who you are. You are a good, good father. And you love your children. And we're so thankful that we get to be children of you. It's your wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen.
perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Love so undeniable, I, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable, I, I can hardly think as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still into love. Oh, love. Your good, good father is who you are. Is who you are. Is who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. To I am your good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To I am, to I am, to I am your good, good father. All right. How about that? Zach crushed it. First time up here. It's awesome. Well, hey, you know, uh, man, what a day. Thank you for occupying your time with us and for walking through Acts. I'm, I'm praying and believing that Jesus has something new for you today. And I'm praying and believing that you're going to celebrate with us this coming week that too. So you know at the end, you done told the person. You've already had the awkward stare for the person. You told them God has an exponential life for them, so it shouldn't be weird. You should be good. You've already prayed to sit next to him, so that's a win. That's a win. So uh, with everyone here at the end, if you got your arm, go ahead and get it up on somebody. Come on with this thing. You got it. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled it right when you got the wires. There we go. Good man. Good man. All right, get your arm around somebody, and we're going to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for every person here uh, that you've allowed us by your grace, to live this life that you've called us to live. Jesus, nothing we've ever done could earn it. Nothing that, that, that we have ever done could take it away except not receiving you as our Lord and Savior. So thank you for allowing us to understand the scriptures. And it's this, the mystery is that you came so that all of us, all of us could have life only through you. So thank you for that. Jesus, as we go throughout this week, let us occupy every moment with urgency, occupy every moment wide awake, because that's the exponential life you've called us to give. And what if we just believed that you've scattered us across this earth to gather us together again? That's what it's all about. So Jesus, we love you. We can't wait to celebrate all that you have done in our life over this next week when we come back together to worship your name next week. You're wonderful, you're precious, your holy name. That we pray. Amen. All right. Y'all have a good day. Good week. You know how it goes. If you're new, come hang out with me in the garden. If you're online, let us know, and we'd love to hang out with you too. We'll see you next Sunday.